All right, we have a special guest for Pop Culture Hour. The hubby. Okay. Girl dad. We <laughs> Resident girl dad. The girl dad. Did you have a good day being a girl dad? I feel like you had a good day today. What was today? Anything we special? Just, no, we just oh. like went to lunch. Just girl dadding it up. All right, well, we had a lot going on in the world of pop culture this week, and so I felt like it was an appropriate time to bring in, really honestly, a closeted pop culture aficionado. I wouldn't say I'm closeted about pop culture. You think it's more overt? Yeah, I mean, I ask people all the time, do you watch X show, like, at the football building and, like, like what like what like what kind of show well, do you mean like do you ask well, them about vanderpump rules which we're absolutely well, going to talk about or do you are you like do you watch succession like that who cares everybody does except for us <laughs> so none of that made sense <laughs> um yeah well there was one day this summer where there were five of my teammates were all in the same room and we were talking about vanderpump with one of our uh like performance coaches like he does like all of our recovery and stuff and um it was like four of us talking about vanderpump the coach talking about vanderpump and we we're all trying to convince this one guy like no dude you need to watch it with your girl <laughs> we swear i've literally never <laughs> been so proud um okay we'll start first of all again my disclaimer every week if the audio sucks it's because we're still sharing a mic but i think i'm gonna figure out how to get to you because this is just not a sustainable setup would you agree it's suboptimal. Okay. So um, speaking of sub, <laughs> I'm going to start with the most interesting. No, no, not the most interesting, but obviously the story that took the world by storm. Do you have any opinion on the submarine imploding? Do you give a shit about this at all? I mean, I'm sorry that they died. Like that sucks, but I'm also not one of these people who's like. You're not deep diving it. I'm not, pun intended, I'm not like skipping around. <laughs> jumping because a billionaire a couple billionaires died but i mean they didn't suffer so that's good i'm pretty sure they heard like a creak or two and then the sub imploded here's the thing i'm gonna go on a tangent real quick go off king okay i don't i did not <laughs> zoomer okay um i feel like people forget when you're that deep in the ocean the water pressure they're talking about is literally the weight of all of the water that's above you. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I even forget that sometimes, but it's like, yeah, that much water is really heavy. I always think it's like something to do with like <laughs> air pressure. Like in the sky, you like lose air pressure, right? But like down there, the pressure is like insane. There's just an insane amount of weight. It's all the water above you pushing down on whatever vessel you're in i just think that's scary as shit i would say the only meme that i saw that i was just like okay yeah i think this is fair is like you know there's two schools of thought here of like half the people are thinking that this is so tragic and then the other half are like making fun of it and the one meme that i saw was like this is fair was like let's just think of just a couple things that in the last five years alone, the billionaires have done to make people not that empathetic towards them. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just not the craziest thing in the world that nobody really gives well, a shit about this. Then you're like lumping and I'm not like bootlicking billionaires, but like you're lumping in like those. You got to think how many people were in the sub? 
We'll just say five, for example. I have absolutely no idea. I actually, uncharacteristically, did not give that much of a shit about this. You cannot tell me a bunch of nerds who wanted to go search for treasure <laughs> at the Titanic. Those are the billionaires that deserve to die. No, really? That's a great point. Really? Gina. That's a great point. They're just a bunch of nerds who spent way too much money. Well, ironically, quote unquote, spent way too much money. The thing, the submarine didn't work. So they obviously didn't spend enough. But like, that's the ironic part that that's funny. Is like, yeah, they're billionaires, but then they couldn't spend enough to make their sub not implode. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is funny. All right. Concluding thoughts. Like, I there there were obviously videos coming out, well, especially after they we knew that it imploded. The creator, like, made the body of the submarine out of, like, carbon fiber or something like that. And I was saying this is, like, you know how, like, rust happens? That'll happen on a ship normally, but when you do it with carbon fiber, apparently, like, like the second you drop it in the water, it's like getting like eaten alive by the salt You're water. You're giving like a decent science lesson right now. This is pretty interesting. I just think it's hilarious. Like the guy knew. The guy knew because they had been testing it. The guy knew it was suboptimal to be that deep underwater in a carbon fiber ship. It, and there were like certain things he was like pointing at certain tubes and like certain things in there. He's like, I got this at a fish store, at like the local aquarium store. And I'm just like, what the hell? You have all this money. You can't spend a couple more dollars to make it safe. Like, I will say the best thing that we all got from this was a you know, resurgence of Titanic content. And I love the Titanic. And Tabor has never seen it. And by the way, this must be a your parents thing. Because Sloan had also never seen the Titanic. And I, wa- I think I, I made her watch it like two years ago. Yeah, my parents never ever brought up the titanic so interesting i was very into the titanic we did watch captain phillips last week which was a really good movie let's watch another movie tonight um okay concluding thoughts about the uh submersible situation do you think it was a planted story by the government to cover up anything else before you answer i do not want to spend um even 30 seconds editing this you cannot say anything for the rest of the time we're talking that's like out so out of pocket that it would force me to go in and edit with that said do you think that this was a cover-up i'll keep it short and sweet (laughs) i love how simultaneously joe biden can't string together a few sentences but then he's somehow powerful enough and smart enough to i mean i heard people saying the rebellion like the uh the coup in russia was set up by the cia and i'm like come on like he's either an idiot old man or he's a mastermind like he can't be both like figure (laughs) figure out the narrative so the conservatives need to pick a side they should leave their side (laughs) okay so speaking of that uh the supreme court did a whole bunch of really fucked up shit in the last few days i actually do not want to talk about any of it because uncharacteristically also I have zero commentary on this, specifically the affirmative action thing. And Tabor, the reason why I wanted to wait until we were like recording this conversation to talk to you about this is because I think you'll have an interesting. Can you get off Twitter, please? Okay. Um, I think you'll have an interesting response to this. There was a big affirmative action decision that came out and I like my trade, I guess, like my career is, was, I don't work anymore, but if I were to go back to work, my career is college admissions this conversation is so nuanced the the even the definition of affirmative action is so nuanced 
it's very annoying to me seeing memes thrown out there when mostly by people like our age who haven't gone through the college admissions process in like 10 years, they have absolutely no idea how it worked. If I walked up to someone on the street and was like, do you think ACT scores are still required? They would probably say yes. And like pretty much across the board, they're not. And that's why I'm annoyed that I'm like, you don't know for the most part, nobody actually knows how college admissions works. It's a sexy headline to like get invested in, but I just implore people to read about the state of college admissions because I'm not supporting this, the Supreme court decision by any means, like even a little bit, but I'm just saying this conversation is super nuanced and it's worth actually learning about it. I'm not adding anything to this. Dope. All right, moving on. Vanderpump rules. So did I tell you about the spinoff situation? Why they didn't have a, why they didn't have a spinoff. Okay. So Vanderpump rules in 2020, here's a Bravo history lesson. In in 2020, Vanderpump Rules was like, like shitting the bed. Like the ratings were awful, and the network was going to split the show in two, and it was called like Valley Rules or something because all of the old cast members had moved, bought these white farmhouses in the valley, um, and so it was going to be like Jacks. It was going to be all the old players, and then they were going to hire all new people to work at the restaurant and that was going to be Vanderpump Rules. So it was going to be two different shows. But then Kristen and Stassi got fired from Vanderpump Rules because they did something super fucked up with Faith. It's like just if you don't know what I'm talking about, like go read about it. They got canceled Um, and they got fired from the show. So then that new show was scrapped because it would only have been like Lala, Katie, Sheena, I guess. Um, and Jackson Brittany. But it, it anyway, so that whole show got scrapped. Well, now three years later, they are now doing allegedly a spinoff with Jax and Kristen, who are both no longer on the show. And I think if it <laughs> I think if Stassi's not on it, I think it's gonna be super boring. It sounds incredibly boring. I'll can I I'm gonna Go I'm gonna pitch an episode. Okay. Okay. Let's just close our eyes and pretend Andy Cohen says Vanderpump done no more spinoffs but we are doing a two-hour finale show where we tie up loose ends and these people can ride off into the sunset i'm i'm basing some of these shots on something funny that you've said in the past is you know this the the episode starts and we're going to start with all like the you know very quick cuts and it's like, boom, the biggest blow ups, the biggest fights on the show, this, that and the other. Then it's it goes quiet and it's showing like really early footage of all these kids in their shitty L.A. apartments. They're they just moved to L.A. They're on almost the like showing like a before and after, like how we got here kind of thing. So kind of we were just setting it up. You know, these they're like moving in like everyone had the nastiest apartments but but that is also why vanderpump rules is all of a sudden so good again it's because we have literally in 11 years we have circled back because tom is living he's probably about to live right back in a shitty apartment with popcorn ceiling Haley literally just stole all of the flowers i was going to give her because (laughs) i literally said this episode was based on something funny that she said and she busted into my bit and literally said everything I was going to give her credit for. So I can't continue now. The bit's over. My bit's over. So continue. <laughs> you jumped my bit so hard. Do you want to just say, no. no, say it anyway. No, it's so, that's horrible. 
Okay. I can't do it. Okay. The bit's over. Okay. Continue it. What it Tabor, idea, what Tabor was going to say, yes, is that we have circled back 10 years to where they're all living in shitty apartments. They all like made a whole bunch of money from the show. They all have their merch and they, you know, bought the white modern farmhouses in the Valley, but then Tom and Katie got divorced both back in shitty apartments. Tom and Ariana obviously like talk about an implosion probably gonna both be back in shitty apartments i mean not her she's making like a killing right now um sheen and brocks they're still living kind of in that like sad condo in marina del rey i don't know i'm just saying i think i'm sorry that i stole your bit but i am still right yeah i was saying you were right during the bit <laughs> so i wasn't disagreeing with okay you. but i will say it's it's bravo so I mean, honestly, if they want to, in the end, they can spin it like girls rule, boys drool, because like Ariana got the bag, but that would be funny. Okay, one more thing about Vanderpump Rules. Allegedly, are you listening? Allegedly, Raquel is in contract negotiations. Do you think that is the worst idea in the world, or did you... To come back to the show. Why? Nobody wants to talk to her. So it's just going to be James and Lala just bullying the shit out of her for a whole season? <laughs> probably. I mean, it'd be funny, but that's cruel. But it, she'll probably take the bag, too. I think that is a really bad idea um, for this person's mental health. But, I mean, that's I'm not the, you know, that's not shocking information or, like, a brand new opinion. Okay, one more Bravo thing. Really flying through these topics here. One more Bravo thing. Do you have anything to say about the Kyle and Mauricio uh, rumors? You told me a little bit about this. I don't know how much I can say. Not that I know anything, but he means how much he can say that is not like going to get him canceled. I mean, we've already said I think on like the second episode of this I mean, podcast that Kyle Richards is your hall pass. Oh, she's totally my hall pass. Listen. Kyle and Mariso have been married for like 100 years. They have like a thousand children. They have always, at least to me, they've always been this like very like solid Bravo couple because like, I mean, I think the Bravo divorce rate is probably like 90%. It's like insane. But they've always seemed really solid and like they're like super obsessed with each other. She's a great mom. Okay. Talk about Bravo history. Season one. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. The episode was called the dinner was called the dinner party from hell. There was this wackadoodle named Allison Dubois. I went back and fact checked all of this because I needed to know what this woman's name is. She's the crazy redhead smoking the e cig. She was like wasted. She was a psychic, okay. And she told Kyle that Mauricio was cheating on her and that like he would never emotionally fulfill her. This was at least fifteen years ago. Now, okay. <laughs> You have to think the producers, like when they were making that show back then, had no clue they could spin back to, to, to film like that. But honestly, if I ever produce a reality TV show, season two, we're going to a sidekick because who knows if your show continues to keep going anytime every every season i'd be re-watching the psychic episode being like can we use that can we use that can we use that's what you would do if you were an editor yes, that's a great bit so i all i'm saying is if the, there's now there's currently a rumor that kyle and mauricio have split up and she is dating morgan wade i think is her last name can you google this real quick she's a country singer and i have moderate inside information because we have a whole bunch of friends who live in nashville one is like she's like basically gretchen wieners like that's why her hair is so big it is krista's hair is full of secrets krista knows everything wade 
Krista said that all there's a bunch of buzz in the Nashville music like scene that this is absolutely true that Kyle is dating this female country star named Morgan Wade and she and Mauricio are getting divorced. Beverly Hills is supposed to air like anytime like anytime. We haven't gotten a trailer yet, but it's like gotta be soon. So I'm highly invested in this. I have never won there's been Kyle and Mauricio cheating rumors for like literally since the psychic said that in like two thousand five. I've never one time believed any of it is true. However, I deeply believe this is true. I think <laughs> if anyone stays in Hollywood that long, I think it's just like an eventuality that you end up doing sh- stuff like that. Like you're allowed to say shit. You don't have to censor yourself to say I stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. And I know Haley's going to roll her eyes, but I know how absurd it sounds. Haley in a million years would never ever say, Oh, I want to be famous. I know how insane I've heard people talk about people who say, Oh, I could be famous or I want to be famous. I think I could do the fame part well, but the what do you lo- mean? Well, like people on Twitter shit talking to you constantly tabloids. Like, you, like you're saying you like, feel like you could take it. I feel like I could take it. I could absolutely not take it. No. I can hardly handle the TikTok phone. <laughs> no, I mean, and that's what I'm saying is like, I could handle that part. I'm not saying like, oh yeah, I'd love to be famous. Would I be even more insufferable? Yeah, absolutely. But you would be. I feel like I could handle the crappy part that everybody talks about it decently well. But with that being said. Can you lean closer to me? My arm is like falling asleep. With that being said something about hollywood when you're in it long enough i just feel like these people's brains like atrophy like just turn to mush but like you gotta have like a certain type of like people's skills i think to like continue to be famous and relevant and whatnot but yeah i think you just get worn down and then like those old tropes of hollywood it's like oh this was i met this person at a shoot i met this person here or there a commercial and then, you know, oh, we just hit it off and, oh, we went back to the hotel room to have, like, wine after our shoot and blah, 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 blah. And, like, it, the, all this crazy shit have You all he, hear these stories all the time. And it's like, I feel like it's just an eventuality when you're in that stardom long enough. That was a really good monologue. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So do you think that Kyle has, like, handled it well and now she's just kind of, like, yeah, going think, off the deep end? I think everybody has a limit and a threshold. and. But I don't know. Not to say getting divorced and dating someone of a different gender is going or of the same gender is going off the deep end. Like, oh, no, that, no, 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 that's no, no, not what no, I'm saying. No. I'm just I'm saying cheating. like her. No. And also Kyle's entire social media presence has like become very odd. Yeah. I'm just talking to cheating. I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit who you cheat with, really. But, yeah. Um, it's just. There was one more point I wanted to make. I can't really remember it right now. But we can circle back around to Bravo oh, anytime. No. <laughs> okay. Um, this is the only thing that I will edit out if you tell me to edit it out. This week, Travis Kelsey estimated that 80% of NFL players use some type of marijuana. Do you, you're allowed to say no comment? Um, His estimations are not far off, and I would lo- like to no longer comment on this. Okay. Section. Great. Last news story. Um, by the way, all of these things I are like things that I've riddled off to Tabor in passing. And so I'm so curious to see if you've retained any of them. Like, are you do I does any does I've this heard all of the we've talked about all these this all sounds familiar? I will say eighty percent sounds high, but it's above fifty. Maybe. For sure. I think so, yeah. 
Yeah. Anecdotally, it's way higher than 80. <laughs> no, it's not way higher than 80. I'm saying anecdotally, it's a little bit higher than 80. I don't think so. Okay. Moving on. This, I don't think I've talked to you about because this you will have big opinions on. An airline, I did not Google it, but an airline in Canada, I want to say, I don't know if it is an international airline or if it's local. My point is, an airline did not let a woman fly, did not let a woman get on the plane because she had two infants with her and she was by herself. And apparently this airline has a rule that you cannot fly by yourself if you have more than one child. That to me is that it that ha- that has to be factually incorrect because I see women and I know women who travel with more than one child alone all the time. However, I saw a speculation that apparently maybe she had both of them on her lap and that's not allowed. That I could see that seems like but if it's a policy if it's a policy that's on their purchasing agreement then there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm saying aren't you shocked to hear that? Like we fly with an infant constantly i fly alone with an infant or flew alone with an infant constantly and i never one time heard that there's a one child limit i've never heard that either but if it's like a liability thing then i have zero issue with it but what okay my point in bringing this up is from your perspective as now a parent who does fly with a child what do you think is the reason like what do you think is the logic behind there being a limit only one child per solo parent flying like the air masks coming down. It's a liability thing. How do, uh, do you not understand what I'm saying? I just think it is insane to have a law like that. Like talk and, about and how and limiting and that is. You keep saying a law. Or like a like a policy. It's a policy. Okay, I know, but I think it's that's Hold crazy. On. They always say, you know, if you have a kid next to you, your child, and then the air mask come down, they say put yours on first and then right. assist the child. Maybe in their liability policy, they feel like one person can't handle the duties to take care of two infants, which I would agree with. Traveling with one is hard enough. I wouldn't, I could not imagine traveling with two infants at the same time. That's People like, do it all the time. Dude. And that, by the way, what you just said, though, of like the air mask thing, it being too much for one person, I think that was the rationale that someone commented because this was like an e-news article that i was scrolling someone did say that there were like the air mask thing like it's too much to like handle two kids at one time however in any emergency in flight i would never expect someone and i didn't say mother anyone to be able to take care of two infants during a, a, a flight situation so now it's making even more sense i think more airlines should have a one infant policy but from an accessibility standpoint, let's see if we had two kids that you would then be so irritated that I would then have to like find another adult to fly with. I would understand if you had two infants, I would actually understand that two kids. That's a different story. But like two infants, infants. So maybe it's an age thing. Yeah, if it's and an again, age thing. I do think it, I, I did not research this enough. I should, I should have fact checked this, but if there was a three-year-old and an infant, then I can understand having some issues with it. But if it's two infants, I mean, that's how do you even travel with two infants you two car seats in your arms Tabor, if we had twins we would have found out <laughs> anyway my point is i thought that that was so bizarre and as like kind of the expert on flying with kids the fact that i didn't know that was just very strange to me so i'm gonna look more into that um i need to ask our flight attendant friend actually i probably should have done that but like yeah, I just thought it was really strange. And it also, this is like, no, we're, I think that was all the pop culture I had. But I 
have like been like thinking so much this week about how oh I said this to you the other day like people act like leaving the house with the kids is harder than like getting out of nom and it's just like it's just immersion therapy you just have to do it once you do it since she was in it like a like a one week old we started leaving the house and like going to lunch and I think people act like it's like the hardest thing in the entire world to go to a restaurant with a child and it's like hey guess what if they cry they cry if other people are annoyed like I don't know sit outside just like don't be an asshole clean up after your child it's just immersion therapy and once you start doing it over and over again it like stops being weird or hard last Sunday we went to Palio, one of our favorite restaurants. We sat on the roof. We drank sangria and our child ate meatballs and like nobody died and everybody had a blast. It's like leaving, like going out to eat with your kid. Like, like Haley said, it's not hard. I mean, the only thing easier than like doing that is like not leaving the house, but right. It's like, so it's, <laughs> it's like, like yeah, okay. It's like, the alternative is you just stay in your stay house. Right. It's like, yeah, I guess it's slightly more inconvenient than staying home, but like it's not a nightmare situation every time we go out to eat. I think we've had two or three bad restaurant experiences. And by bad, I don't even mean that bad because one of us just has to get up for 10 minutes at a time and then flip. And like walk around. Also, this is just a, a hill I'll die on. He just rolled his eyes. <laughs> he just rolled his eyes. That like you have to just like you you can't have too high of expectations for your children. Like if you have a thirteen month old that we are about to have, expecting a one year old to sit in a high chair for like an hour and a half is completely unreasonable. It's like lower your expectations, and your anxiety will get better. Like lower your expectations, and everyone will find that it is an easier time. And like have a game plan. Pull up to the table. Ask for a high chair. Keep your kid in the stroller until your waiter gets there and asks you for drinks. And then when they ask for drinks, then they sit on dad's lap until you get the drinks. And then when you get the drinks, you switch to mom's lap until like the food arrives or something. And then when the food arrives, you plop them in the high chair and then you stagger it. So you don't just sit down, put them in the high chair. And then when you're halfway through your meal, you're like, what the fuck? Why are they freaking out? It's like they've been sitting there for 35 minutes, idiot. Like, yeah. no wonder. You... I'm also probably getting antsy at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. They can't just get up and go to the bathroom. They can't, like, <laughs> scroll on their phone, if I'm being honest. But, like, <laughs> it's just have, you know, have a little forethought. I also have something. Okay, this or, like, right now, nor can she just, like, get up. We can't just, like, get up and, like, have her walk around. Everyone keeps telling me, like, since the day she started standing up everyone's like you're gonna be in trouble when she's she's gonna walk soon oh you're gonna be in trouble when she walks I cannot wait for this kid to walk because she has been crawling since she was six months old like she was such an early crawler that she moves so fast I would so much rather her be walking right now than crawling because she's not gonna be dirty constantly I would rather her be walking and I can chase her and we could like go to the park and she can just run around the park versus crawling around the park. And she's like cutting her hands and her knees. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, think- I don't understand the rationale of why people think walking is harder than crawling when she crawls so fast and has for six months. I mean, I'm, I got to play devil's advocate, but like when they're walking, 
they're even more mobile and they can climb usually when they can walk. So like they'll be able to get up and go whenever they want. And I think that's the issue that'll But like she can over. climb right now. Yeah, but she can't like climb climb like she can't get up on the couch yet. But like when she's like at the size where she starts walking, she's gonna be able to walk over, jump up, jump down, everything. And I think it's just they're even more mobile and I think that is the issue. I understand what you mean though, but I don't think you understand how wily she's going to be when she's going to be able to walk maybe i'll check back in and i'll revisit this whenever she decides to I'll take she you, did take her first couple steps the other day though i'll give you your psychic reading so we can <laughs> jump back for future episodes You're gonna she's love gonna edit. she's gonna wish that that kid wouldn't walk longer. it is kind of crazy to me that i was like so proud of her for being such an early crawler but then i was like oh my god i will say life does get harder like when they can crawl, but any early developmental thing I think is a positive, is a net positive, no matter what. Okay, wait, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, wait, also has nothing to do with eating at a restaurant with a child, but I didn't even tell you I did this the other day. But I, um, when I was out shopping, I like went to Anthropology and uh, Madewell. I called the Holy Trinity. It's in Ann Arbor. I go to Madewell Anthropology and zola which is my favorite brunch spot go for a little shop and then just have like a waffle i did that and i just sat at the bar and ate by myself and i love eating by myself at restaurants and i know you do too i love eating by myself my ex in college used to just roast me for it i just don't understand i just don't understand i was like bitch i go to movies by myself like i love being oh i love go to movies by myself yeah when i can't i mean i guess i get it people wanting other people there when they eat but like my god let me enjoy my meal in peace (laughs) (laughs) but no i just that's another thing that is like that's immersion therapy if you think it's awkward and you don't like doing it go find a restaurant that has a bar sit there and like if you're really uncomfortable bring your laptop and like pretend to work and then it won't like you won't feel as weird but it's really fun it's really peaceful throw an airpod in like listen to something and just like enjoy a nice evening or brunch or breakfast or whatever okay um last thing and then i'm really hungry so we're wrapping this up this is gonna be last thing no i know um i'm just really hungry and i want to go eat the mac and cheese that rue didn't finish at lunch (laughs) a girl i follow we're tiktok friends she put a question box on her instagram this week of like tell me your most damning 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 controversial opinion like your most controversial thing that like people would like freak out about totally anonymous do you have one that you're comfortable sharing? Your most controversial opinion? This is one of those things that I'm only asking you because I want to share mine. You already know mine. Wait, can I think about it? Yeah, it has to do with a movie. Oh, it has to do with a notebook. Yep. And um, that Lawn was the far better choice and that um, the main no, girl... No, no, no. I'm not even saying that. That she was the villain of the story. Yeah, she cheated on him. Yeah, and she should have gone back to Lawn because he was the sensible choice and Noah was kind of like... A I, d- I seriously don't even care about the quality of either guy. It's like she's just the villain of the right, story. Right, bro, a letter. We're over. Like even that is fine. Like it, fine. Make out with your old high school sweetheart. And she just like left him in the wind. Yeah, like do that. You can still hook up with your old flame or whatever. But at least break it off with the other dude she just like like stayed stayed there i need to text pat price this every time we talk about this i think about him because he has always been vehemently team lawn like he talks about it a lot i need to text him yeah i mean on paper he is the better option but i don't even care about that it's just the principle okay well mine's gonna be much more mean than yours 
Mine is that breastfeeding is a complete waste of time and it's, I wish it didn't exist. And if it didn't exist, postpartum depression would no longer exist either. And the whole world would be a happier place and nobody should do it. It's pointless. And that's a hill we die on. <laughs> Mamas. <laughs> okay. Thanks Tabor. He literally already walked away. Um, the only other thing I have to add, and I do know that I, that's now been eight. Tabor, do you want to say bye? No, he just shook his head. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, a couple books that I finished. I know I talked about Hey Hun. Um, it was the book by Emily Lynn Paulson. It was about MLMs. Tabor, you can leave the room if you want to. Okay. <laughs> he just made like a bat signal like he was flying away. Um, if you have any interest in multi-level marketing <clears throat> companies, otherwise known as pyramid schemes, I highly recommend this book. I got in like, I started deep diving MLMs probably like three years ago, maybe during COVID because that's when I feel like they had this like crazy resurgence. Um, and I have always found them so fascinating because I mean, my mom is like, she'll, she'll do anything for a discount. So she signed up for so many, like she still by like is probably still registered as a consultant with Young Living because she was like the first person to ever use essential oils. Um, so like she'll do anything for a discount. So she's probably registered with like a thousand companies as like a, you know, sales rep or whatever, but just does it for the discount. Okay. Well, I feel like then I did that in like early college, but then I went to college with a girl whose mom and we're still like not good friends, but we're still like, we talk enough to the point of where like, I actually feel strange, like talking shit about MLMs because she's been very successful in it. And her, her mom was a national, like, like one of the top, top, top women in a massive, I'm not going to say what it is, but a massive, like, probably when I say MLM, like the first company you think of, it's that one. Um, and so like anecdotally, I saw firsthand, I'm like, oh, people do make a lot of money with this. But just because I happened to be friends with this person who her her family was in like the top 1% or like 0.01% of the company. So I thought that it was like, I don't know, like a realistic thing that people can make a lot of money when now that this was like 12 years ago. Now it's become glaringly aware that most of these companies are complete pyramid schemes because of the the money to be made is in recruiting rather than selling product. So Emily Paulson, um, she, I think I said this on the last podcast because I was like going to do a full book report on it and this is going to be a mini book report on it. <clears throat> um, she worked for Rodan and Fields but in her book, she like calls it something silly. Like she calls it rejuvenate just as like a fake name of the company. Um, and really kind of chronicles how she got into it. She was a bored stay at home mom. She was drinking a lot. Um, she's now since sober, but, uh, alcohol was a big part of her storyline in it because these companies like they it, it's a lot of wine nights it's a lot of parties bring a bottle of wine it's like if you then do get up high it's conventions and they're just like booze filled so they appeal to women who honestly don't have a lot going on and they're looking for something for themselves and as a now stay at home mom like I totally get how that's appealing like one of her first one of her one of her first pages in the book, she has this really funny quote where like she got asked to 
have drinks with this person who then ended up recruiting her. And she was like, time out or like a, a, a meeting with an actual other human woman without my kids. And I, it made me laugh because like, I do get that. Like I only have one child and she's really young, but I totally understand if you have multiple and you've been a stay home mom for years that it's like, you're, you are looking for something that's going to give you a little bit of like, honestly, serotonin and having a, having cocktails with a new friend and talking about something that could potentially make you a lot of money. Like that's a lot. I mean, that's like, I can, see how there's like adrenaline in that. But, um, anyway, the, the book is so good. I read it in like half a day. It's really chronicles how she got in, grew to the tip top of the company. She throws herself under the bus constantly of like how she really participated in a lot of the shady shit that these people or that these companies do. Um, and then eventually how she got out of it and the big kicker of why she, of, of how she realized this is a pyramid scheme. She was not selling any product at all for like an entire year. She did not sell a bottle of anything, but she still brought in six figures because she was getting bonuses and kickbacks from the people underneath her signing more people up because the the money to be made is in these product kits. It's like your, your, your buy-in kit. If anybody watched the Lulu, Lulu oh my God. Lou LaRoe documentary. Um, by the way, we have, uh, we, I have no idea if we're going to have more children. This is like a crazy, like train of thought. I have no idea if we're going to have more children, but like, sometimes I just like to pitch Tabor baby names just to like all half fuck with them, but also just like genuinely get his opinion. Um, and I said the name Lola the other day and then I was like, oh my God, can you imagine me having children named Lola and Rue living in a Lou LaRoe world? I mean, my God, I can't even, I like barely even got that sentence out because it's, I can't hardly say it. Um, anyway, I thought that was really funny. So if you watch the LuLaRoe documentary, I think I've watched it like four times because I truly think that this is the like section of pop culture that I find to be the most interesting. Um, probably because I'm really interested in things that specifically target women and obviously this specifically targets women. Um, but I do remember having a friend and her boyfriend was like really high up in this like energy drink one. And so, but it, and it was a company that specifically was going around to college campuses and targeting young men. Um, so like anybody can be a victim of this, but the second chapter, second or third chapter of the book, um, I think the title of the chapter is like lady bosses or something. Um, or girl boss something. Um, oh, I hear Tabor yelling at Scout. Okay. So, uh, which is not a brand new thing. Um, she really breaks down the percentages, the numbers, and talks specifically about market saturation, which I think is so interesting because I've even heard that as an argument in a lot of other industries. So like, when she originally got into Rodian and Fields, again, I think it's allegedly Rodian and Fields, uh, that she was in, she was one of the first consultants in her area, which was Seattle. And so there weren't a lot of people to recruit or there, there were a lot of people to recruit because not like, you know, half the population wasn't like, like half the population wasn't already signed up through somebody else. And then five years go down, go by and like half the city 
is a consultant. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, but I feel like I've heard that with other things and I actually kind of usually, usually am on the other side of that argument of like, well, I don't think like market saturation is a good argument because I'm, I'm not, I, I don't believe that just because everybody else is doing it is a good reason to not do it. Like specifically this podcast, I'm like, oh my God, I like missed the mark. I've been listening to podcasts and the first podcast I ever listened to was the Bitch Bible in Serial in like 2016. And I was like, this is so cool. I've always wanted to be on the radio. Like I listened to the radio, which is so funny that Tabor and I have this in common because he was obsessed with radio shows too, which is why he loves streaming. Um, and why he loves just like listening to streams like all day long. Uh, I should just, I should have done it back then because now eight years down the road, seven years, whatever, like it's like the joke is everybody has a podcast because everybody thinks that they have something to say. Like, hi, I'm in on the joke. I get it. But I think I thought that for so many years, the first time I realistically was like, oh my God, I actually think I want, like, I want to buy a mic was in 2020, but thank God I didn't because I was, I just like walked around screaming all day long because I was so angry about the state of the world, the country. I was living in Miami, not to brag, but I voted in the 2020 election in Miami-Dade County. Just a fun fact, I think, for the rest of my life. Didn't do anything, obviously. Um, I mean, it did, but Trump won Miami County. It doesn't matter. Moving on. Um, my point is, I derailed a little bit. I've never really found that not doing something um, because just because everybody else is doing it and, like, what can I add? Like, I, I've never found that to be a solid argument because if you want to do something, just, like, fucking do it. But when it comes to these companies, that is a solid argument because that means there is really no money to be made. Because if everybody else is trying to shill this product, like who's going to be your customer? And I ironically, I was thinking about this yesterday, even though I read the book a few weeks ago, I was thinking about it again yesterday because I wanted to circle back and like actually talk about it. I was watching Shit's Creek and it was just playing in the background. And one of the episodes in the first season is that Moira and David like get sent this kit and like get roped into signing up for this MLM and they throw a party and you know all the other characters of the show come and they're all like oh are you guys signed up with whatever the company was there and, and one of the characters is like I I'm a, yeah I'm a consultant and then the other girl was like I'm a director and the other girl was like I'm an executive sparkle director or something and it's like that's the joke but like that's the reality that everyone like who are you gonna sell to because everybody's doing it so anyway that part just drives home the point that these companies they're not making their money through actually selling the product because hot take or hot tip you don't actually need to buy this these products through a consultant you can just like buy them online so they're super not making their money unless they have really loyal customers who really do want to support them and buy the product through them. For instance, I'm really, really like, I try to not buy anything from MLMs just because I do think that they're a completely corrupt section of capitalism. Um, but there's this one product it's, it's with the company. What is it called? I can't, I swear to God, I can't remember what it's called. New, new skin no new faces the it doesn't matter um but 
it's it's this face washer that I have tried every face washer on the market, like um like the kind that um like rotates and deeply exfoliates your face. Tabor calls it my face vibrator. <laughs> Maybe I should cut that out. No, I don't care. Um but it like the best one is from this company that I did not realize was a pyramid scheme or an MLM um until I had already owned it for like a year because I just bought it online. Because you can just buy it online. Like you don't have to buy through somebody else. So like that alone is like, okay, so what is actually the point of direct? Because what these companies call it is what direct sales or direct selling. Um, and what I was trying to say is in this second chapter of the book, she really goes through the actual numbers of this is how many people you would have to sell to to make X amount. This is how many people you would have to recruit to make X amount. Um, and there is a, I can't remember what the specific number is, but it's in the nineties. I don't, I can't remember if it's like 90, 93, 95, but in the nineties, there's a 90 ish percent failure rate within this company so, or within these companies that's across the board. And the FTC, um, like cracked down on a whole bunch of them. Like I think Advocare was forced to no longer be an MLM because they were obviously, doing shady shit. Um, LuLaRoe, that's the whole point of the documentary, um, is, was the FTC investigation. My point in all of this is if you are interested in this odd niche subculture that really, really targets predominantly white, um, women, I think middle-class women, middle to lower-class women, which there's such a predatory like nature within it as well because they do go after women who are craving either female connection or they're craving something of their own and they just end up spending so much money, losing so much money. And that was another huge, I think, um, point in the book was Emily really using dollar amounts of this is how much money she was spending just to make X amount. I mean, like she was still in the green, but like barely. And she was in the top 3% of the company, which means everyone else, 97% of the company, they are drastically losing money, like aggressively losing money. People are, they, the companies encourage you to open credit cards and they encourage um, like secrecy and they'll say, oh, just open a credit card and don't tell your husband. Like this, it's just so fucked up, but it is so interesting to me. Um, and if you share a brain with me at all, even a little bit, I highly recommend this book. Um, and the audiobook, I spend so much money on books because I buy the audiobook and books that I really care about. I'll say I buy the audio, like books like this. I buy the audiobook and the print version because, I like to like, I listen to it, but then like, if it's something like this that I really want to go back and reference, well then like spare, I spent, I, I regret every dollar I spent on Prince Harry's memoir and I bought both versions of it. Um, but my point is the audiobook is such an easy listen. I think her voice is really like soothing is the wrong word, but she kind of talks like she talks in a very just millennial cadence of like she has a little bit of a vocal fry and she's like a little bit um I don't know I think it's it's funny like it, it adds to 
the narrative, I think, is the way that she speaks. Um, but another huge, really impactful part of the book was the, the alcoholism piece. She finally got the free car. And, oh, this is, this is honestly my favorite part of the entire thing. And by entire thing, I mean this whole obsession with getting the free car, no matter what the company is, because there's always a, an incentive like that. You know, with Mary Kay, it's the pink Cadillac. With Rodan and Fields, it was the white Lexus. And I know this because I know people who are in all these companies, um, or at least used to. So the night she finally got her car, she was forced to throw a car party, which is basically you're just showing off what you have quote unquote achieved. But the party itself cost her like $10,000. And with the car payment or with the car, them giving you a, a quote unquote free car is they're just giving you a monthly stipend towards the car payment. That's not actually enough to cover the car payment. And then you also have to, I think, pay the down payment and the title and the insurance and Again, you have to cover the rest of the payment and you only get that stipend if you hit your your required level each month. So if there's a month where you don't hit your specific target, you won't get the car stipend, which means you have to pay for it out of pocket. So again, just an example of how it's it's just all a scam. So she throws this car party. It's $10,000 that she had to spend on the party um, to like basically show off, like look at my new car. She got a DUI in the car on the way home and I think... It was somewhere after that is when she got sober. Um, and it just like, I found the whole story, the entire arc of the book to be so compelling and so interesting and like really powerful. It's one of those books that I wish was required reading for anyone from like 25 to 45. Um, and I have a couple other books that I think should be required reading. This one is a little bit, uh, very, I don't know. This one's very niche. If you also care about cults, which there's the Venn diagram of MLMs and cults and religion is essentially a circle. So the book Cultish um, by Amanda Montel, she has a podcast called uh, Sounds Like a Cult. It's so funny. Um, and like, again, very compelling. And she talks about, and on her podcast, she talks about very normalized things that we do, like soul cycle um bravo like things that we are our culture are interested in she kind of dives in of like the language specifically she um her background is in linguistics and it's she's really she focuses on the language that um is used when talking about these things that are kind of universally accepted or interesting one was Peloton like remember in 2020 when it like I would have I would have done anything to get a Peloton and I probably would have ridden it two and a half times um <laughs> I can't remember if I had to cut I had to cut a decent amount of um the episode with Maggie but she was talking about how her husband was forcing her to sell the Peloton because she never uses it and she was in the basement and saw uh, that he like looked at it and saw that he had written in the dust on the Peloton, sell me, which I thought was hysterical. Anyway, um, so Amanda Mantel, the book Cultish, it just, it's one of those books that forces you to take a step back and like analyze, am I overly obsessed with this? Is this obsession healthy or is it hashtag culty? Um, 
And it just like, I think has allowed me to use a filter through some things that people just get wildly obsessed with really quickly. Um, whether it's a fad like soul cycle or it's, you know, a TV show, <clears throat> like, I don't know. Everyone keeps telling me consistently. And I think I, again, I only care about the pop culture piece of this because there's like some drama with Kevin Costner and he's going through like a really juicy divorce. Um, everybody keeps telling me that like my head's going to explode if I don't watch Yellowstone from the beginning. And I just like, can't explain how boring I find this show. I've watched probably three to four episodes. Everybody's like, but you got to commit. I have so many other things to do um, than force myself to watch a show about um, like ranchers that I just fundamentally can't find it in myself to enjoy. Okay. So Cultish is one. Um, there are two other books coming out that I can't wait to read. Uh, one, or I think they're already out. One's called Momfluenced. Again, my favorite genre or not again this is me announcing this my favorite genre of books are nonfiction. really like examines the zeitgeist that like I exist in which is a millennial who is addicted to reality television can't stop reading people magazine articles um but I'm also a mom so I'm in this whole other pretty culty universe of like mom talk and I'm so so interested to read a couple books that are coming out um one is called Momfluenced or again I think they are already out um I want to say Sarah Peterson is the author and then another one called Swipe Up for More which basically is just I think an examination of influencer culture which that one I'll probably definitely do the audio version um because I don't know. I don't know why. I just think I will. Okay. So those are two that if anybody is interested in these same types of books um, and you haven't heard about those, I am checking them out this week. Two other random ones um, that I've read in the last year. This is more child. This is more like parenting and child focus. One is Natasha Legero's book, The World Deserves My Children. I do not need to write a parenting book because it's that. I co-sign every word. Um, she has some amazing one-liners and she's kind of where I reading her, I read her book when I was like four months postpartum is when it came out. I think it was like October, November. And I just would walk around our neighborhood in Santa Clara, California and listen to this book and I would laugh and I cried and I just, it made me feel not crazy for not feeling like mom talk or the mom influencers told me I should feel which is being this like earth mama obsessed with baby wearing um I couldn't imagine doing anything else other than this like no I could imagine doing a lot more things than like walking around the neighborhood endlessly but I have been conditioned to think that those are horrible things to say out loud that I wasn't like super loving being a stay-at-home mom um I just love people who are radically honest and make me feel not like an asshole for thinking the things that I think and feeling the way that I feel specifically when it like surrounds being a parent. Um, she has a hysterical line that I repeat often when the topic of second children comes up or more children comes up and like, I have no idea if we're going to have more. I'm like super not interested in getting the internet's 
opinion or anybody's opinion on it. Um, but she has a great line that I tell people a lot. <laughs> she said, one child is an accessory. Er, oh my God. I already fucked it up. One child is an accessory. Two is a lifestyle. And as someone who traveled through Europe with one child, I could not agree more. I take my kid everywhere. And it's just like not that bad. But two, game changer. Like I, it, you, I just can't even, we maybe would have brought a nanny. We would have done like it, you, you need probably two hotel rooms. Like I just, one's an accessory, two's a lifestyle. Not interested in feedback at this time. Okay. Um, and then lastly, is that it actually? No, I was going to give you two more. The world goes deserves my children. This is what I get for not writing things down. What was the other one? What was the other one? Oh my God. Oh, um, it's called Cinderella Ate My Daughter. And if you have a girl, but even, maybe not, if even if you have boys, this book is so terrifying and sad, but was like light bulb moments. And the whole, the, the, basically what it's about is examining how girly girl, girly girl culture has come to be. You know, we've all seen the TikToks or the whatever on Instagram of the comparison between when we were 12, 13 years old, we were like doing crazy shit, just trying to like get our AIM instant messenger to connect and dressed like kids versus now 13 year olds are like making TikToks, doing get ready with me's, showing how they style their heatless curls and going through their apothecary of a bathroom of like all drunk elephant products and they are 13 like it's insane and so this book is really like how did we get here how do we basically protect our kids from just it it's it's sad and scary because it it goes into a lot of the sexualizing of young girls and how it's happening and we're not even realizing it it's just really really good um like i said if you have a girl i could not recommend it more i read it actually when rue was like six weeks old just because Tabor saw it online um and he ordered it and i had nothing else to do uh, because I found the newborn phase really boring. I'm going to say it. I found it really boring. And so I read a lot and I read that, but I need to reread it in like five years. So I'm going to, I don't know, set an alarm to do that. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's our book report corner. Um, and honestly, the last thing I just said, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. A girl I follow, we have really become TikTok friends. I, I deeply love her. And I, I usually agree with everything she says like I'm like talk about someone who I think we share a brain but she posted a video today and she's pregnant 
and she has one child who's like maybe a year and a half and she was like listing things that she's going to do differently for her next baby and one of them was about baby wearing and she just wants to not share her baby she wants to just have the baby to herself by like just alone to her and because she loves the newborn phase so much she loves babies and she knows how fast it goes and I found myself like my stomach was turning and it's just such a perfect example of everyone feels different everyone feels differently about different stages of your children's lives for example there's one person this girl who I really love I wish we were friends in real life she could not get enough of the newborn phase I was counting down the minutes until the newborn phase was over did I have some postpartum anxiety that probably could have mitigated that for sure but I just I was so nervous having a newborn because she just seemed too fragile. I couldn't wait until fevers were no longer lethal. I couldn't wait until she could hold her head up and that didn't freak me out so much. I I found the newborn phase to be really scary and boring. Um because I just wanted to get out and do things and we did. We we totally did. Um and I didn't have like an ounce of postpartum depression in the newborn phase, but I was really like, I was just so afraid of like a fever. And, you know, the big thing is if they have a fever over, you know, if they have a fever at all, it's an emergency room visit if they're in the newborn, if they're a newborn, like it's just things like that. I, I'm curious if we do ever have another one, if I will feel differently or if it was anxiety that I, that was irrational and could have been fixed. But then I actually don't feel like I was anxious at all. I flew with her at seven weeks. I was a super, that's when everybody started telling me like, you are way chiller than we ever thought you would be. I just didn't love the newborn part because I didn't like feeling like she was just so fragile which maybe that's a universal experience and maybe I, you know, didn't enjoy it like I'm supposed to, or I didn't like, you know, just cuddle her enough. But like she did contact nap on me like 85% of the time. So it's like, I got all those things, but I still, I remember saying to a friend who had a baby just a few months after me and she was in the thick of it, kind of felt the same way. And I said something that I wondered if I would take back and feel differently about as time went on. And I said to her, it's okay to wish certain times away because everyone is just like beats down your throat. You only get 18 summers with your kids. And then apparently they're like never going to speak to you again. Like what a losery that I hate. I've heard that so much in the last few months. You only get 18 summers with your kids. Okay. And then what? They're going to like, you're never going to speak to them again. I'm going to tell you what. I moved back in with Christine Williams like seven times post-grad. So it's just like not really true if you have a decent relationship with your kids. So just like don't be an asshole. Don't be the reason that they're in therapy one day. Everybody should be in therapy, but like don't be the reason. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I just think it's okay to wish certain times away and forcing people, putting this pressure to obsess over capturing every moment is unrealistic. It's setting up this pressure that feels suffocating. And I just feel like if you can look for, I don't know if this is an original thought or if someone told me this and I'm just regurgitating it because this does not sound like something that I've come up with on my own, but I definitely feel this way. And I think about it a lot. 
maybe my therapist said it, who cares? Um, if you find a couple moments in the day to enjoy, that is wonderful. Instead of obsessing over trying to soak up every minute and make every minute amazing. Because then at the end of the day, you're going to lay down and be like, oh, fuck, like, did I not, did I not enjoy this enough? Forcing a new mom, a new-ish mom to enjoy every second of every day with their children is like, find me someone who says that and I will show you a liar. <laughs> I just will. I'll show you a liar. Because it's hard. It's exhausting, especially if you're solo parenting. Like, that's a whole nother mountain. But finding a couple moments a day to really enjoy is like, to me, that's enough. And my child is deeply loved and I'm thinking pretty well adjusted so far. Um, I don't know. She's being raised by two people who just like lay in bed on a Friday night and talk about Bravo and like put it out into the world, assuming anybody else is going to care about what they're saying. So like, honestly, who knows saying that out loud, like makes me nervous. But today I took her to our gym and she went to daycare and she played. I, when I picked her up, when I dropped her off, she like fell, like, like leaned into me to hug me. She didn't want the girl to take her, but she didn't cry, but she still went. And then I like quickly left. And when I picked her up, she was sitting in a corner, like organizing things, like, like playing by herself completely independently. And I, it's just, that brought me joy. That brought me joy. And then we went to lunch and she sat and ate, we shared some mac and cheese and that brought me joy. Tonight, I rocked her whenever I don't feel like bonded with her. It's so hard when Tabor comes home because we are so, and I know I've talked about this before, we are so like all or nothing because of the way our lives are. Like by the time he gets out, gets home from spring camp or football season, like I'm so burnt out. I just want to check out and he's then all hands on deck, but then like I don't get like one-on-one time with Rue that I'm used to and then that makes me sad and I feel like I'm missing something right like that's the mom guilt that never turns off and I didn't even realize that that was mom guilt I was just feeling this and was like oh I guess that is there's there's a word like there's a term for that that's what people mean it's the why well, I, I should be playing with her because I'm gonna miss it right I'm gonna miss like but tonight I was like, you know what? No, he's been putting her to bed. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going to rock her and put her to bed. And it was wonderful. And we cuddled and it was like the, like the biggest dopamine hit. I'm like, this is fantastic. And yeah. So I don't know. Also Tabor is obviously not in the room. He dipped out about a half an hour ago, but he also texted me. What did he say? He said, he said, I'm listening to a new album, Full Blast, in my headphones, so if you try to talk to me in the next hour, you should probably text me. That was sent 28 minutes ago. Okay, so I'll go make him mac and cheese, though, or see if he wants any. <clears throat> um, I have a, I don't know, maybe not a PSA, but I want, if anybody, whoever's listening to this, because, again, I don't. I think I've looked at the analytics of this like one time um and I don't know if anybody's listening to this who like may have said something like this I want everyone on the planet in our lives I want everybody to give my husband a break I want everybody to cut him some slack and I say this because I have noticed 
a comment that he he has kind of alluded to um but I didn't notice how much it was bothering him until I started noticing it because Tabor's because we are apart a lot I am in Michigan a lot he's in California um and we aren't all together all the time like a lot of football families are maybe not even a lot some football families like they all move out for the spring and then they come home and then they all move out and then there's no separation with us it's obviously not like that I go back and forth a lot um and I solo parent a lot and a lot of people know that and so I've started noticing people someone said it today they'll make comments like like the person we saw today she was like um oh are you full-time dadding like, are you full-time, are you on full-time dad duty to make up for being gone? And I was like, fuck you. Like, I, I now notice, I think it's the, those kind of comments have bothered him, um, because he wishes he could just scream from the rooftop, the rooftops that he feels a huge guilt of not being there all day, every day. Um, and like, he, he feels guilt. Y'all like, I, he has his own thing that he's working through with all of this. And I think because people see me solo parenting and they see that I struggle sometimes and they see the weight that I carry, um, I think they think it's okay to just kind of like troll him a little bit. And it's not fair and I want everybody to stop. So because it is hurtful and it bothers him. It's starting to bother me um, because he works really hard and he's a really good dad. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll, I was just going to say I might send him that clip, but I don't think I will. I'm just going to like wait and sit on this and, uh, see, this will be a really good tell of if he actually listens to this podcast or not. (laughs) Okay. I think that's it. Um, no, I don't have any other updates. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.